Hey, business building warrior. Welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I'm your host today, Jim Cochran. We have a guest on the show today. It's actually a return guest. Our listeners have told us they love hearing from people that started the business a year or two ago. Maybe they had some fast success. And since then, they've grown and built and done new things. And now we're hearing from them again. Those are very popular episodes. It just validates the whole journey of the strategies we teach around here. Well, if you're new to this podcast, just a quick note, this podcast, the series of episodes that we've recorded, over 600 at this point, is dedicated to bringing you proven ideas for earning money online as evidenced by the hundreds of interviews that make up the bulk of the episodes that we've recorded. So if you're new, I encourage you to listen to 10, 20, 30 episodes, especially these interview episodes where you can meet real people who have followed the strategies that we teach inside our flagship Amazon training course. You can find it at this website, provenamazoncourse.com. That course has been around for over 12 years at this point. We've taught thousands of students around the world to launch successful businesses. And there's a proven path that we take you down, starting with a model called replens, and then typically moving into some of the other opportunities that are available to you once you've established yourself as a replens seller. And today's guest is a guy who went through that process of learning replens, learning how to recognize all that underserved shelf space at amazon.com. He did well, but then he quickly went into what we call branded bundles. If you want to read about the branded bundle concept, you can go to provenbrandbuilding.com. Now that course is sold separately on that website, but it's one of dozens of tremendous modules that are included inside the Proven Amazon course collection. You see, the Proven Amazon course isn't a single course. It's a collection of full training modules based on where you're at in your journey. We like to help you put money in the bank as you grow, and we want you learning exactly what you need as you grow. We're not going to teach you everything there is to know about Amazon as a new student. We're going to teach you how to take those next few baby steps so you can put money in the bank, learn some new skills, then more doors of opportunity open to you at each step of the journey. So the proven brand building concept, which again is our branded bundles, I'll explain what that is in a moment, that's kind of a step two or a level two business model. So if you're new around here, start with the proven Amazon course, take the replens training. We've got coaching available for you at silentgym.com if you're interested in checking out coaching. But you'll see from our guest's journey today is here that he started there, then he moved into branded bundles. A branded bundle is just when you bring together products that are recognized in the marketplace. These aren't products you created. This is stuff that's already available for sale on retail shelves, online or in local stores near you. You bundle these items together in a way that adds value to the customer experience. You know, people who bought this also bought that. You bundle them together. You put them under your brand name. You get brand registered is the Amazon terminology. We teach you how to do that inside the Proven Brand Building course. We can help you with getting brand registered as well. We have services that can assist. But now you can create these unique products that didn't exist before using other people's manufactured items under your branded label. Well, that's what Zaheer does. 
He's doing it at scale. He's doing really well. He's got a beautiful business. He works full-time. He has a full-time job, but he squeezes this business into the cracks with the help of his dad. They've built a really nice business that is set to scale tremendously. He shared some things and some details with me after we stopped the recording today. And he's into some big stuff and it's going to get exciting very quickly for him. But he shares a lot of the detail on the show today, gives you some great ideas on how you could maybe start to venture into branded bundles as well. We love bringing you a variety of success stories and we're so excited that you joined us for today's episode. I'll get the guest on the show here in just a moment. But one little thing before we do that, our conference, our annual conference, the 11th time we've gathered as a community, listeners to this podcast gather once a year. This is the 11th time. It's going to be July 6th through 8th, 2023 in Columbus, Ohio. You can get details at this website, theprovenconference.com. That's three words, theprovenconference.com. Get over there, get your tickets. VIP tickets are just about sold out. They may be sold out already by the time you see this episode, but we still have a good handful of general admission tickets. And as well, we have a scholarship program. If you're skeptical, you've never been to an e-commerce event, you've never been to one of our events, or money's just a little bit tight, we'd love to have you there as our guest to come check out this community. We've got 500 people registered. We've got 40 breakout sessions scheduled. But if you want a scholarship, get over to theprovenconference.com slash scholarship. I'll stick a link to all of that in the show notes, along with all the stuff I talk about with my good friends Zahir. Come see him his friends that he made over the past couple of years doing this business, all the new sellers in our community. If you're brand new, we'd love to have you there. Come to our Proven Conference, July 6th through 8th, Columbus, Ohio. We're going to be hanging out, having a great time. We talk about it a little bit in the episode today as well, but let's dive into Zahir's business. He's got some great lessons for us today, some great insights. We talk about some of the challenges he's faced and overcome as well. I think you're really going to benefit from this episode. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Let's go hang out with Zahir. Zahir, welcome back, my friend. Hey, Jim. Great to see you again, man. Likewise, likewise. Well, let's get caught up. There's, it's been about a year, right, since you were on the show last, and yep. a lot's it's happened been since 10 then. Months. It's a year next month, you said. No, ten, it's been ten months. It'll be a year, July fourth. Oh, it wasn't. It was July. Okay, all right. It's only been ten months, but still, enough times passed. A lot's happened since then, and I know your story's gotten. Bigger and better and more interesting. And and uh, I'd just love to hear what's happened since we last spoke and get folks caught up. Sure. So let's just do like a kind of like a quick recap if somebody hasn't heard my story from the previous That's time. great. Good idea. Um, I started, uh, I joined your group in, uh, I think around like June or July of 2020. Uh, made my first sale uh, the day after Thanksgiving in 2020 as well, in November of 2020. At that point, I you know, had my LLC and everything set up. I was part of PAC. I was part of the Facebook group and everything. And that was my first sale. And you know, at that point, I realized, wow, this thing works. You know, and it was a merchant fulfilled item. And so that was my first sale. And slowly, every month, I started getting more sales. And up until when we spoke, which was on July 4th of 2021, the previous month of June, I had 7,500 in sales. And that was my highest month to date, or I mean, up until that point. And, you know, at that point, like I had really, or I'd put in, I was doing branded bundles and I started finding products that weren't actually selling on Amazon, but I was bundling them with other products that were. And so I ended up merchant fulfilling a lot of items. 
and I've actually got my number. I was merchant fulfilling at that point about 56% of all of my orders. And um, on $7,500, you know, my average sales price at that point was about $15. So that was a lot of orders that I was merchant fulfilling. And so that's where we were when we first spoke on our podcast, on your podcast. And since then, right now, I'm averaging about $20,000 a month in sales. And and it's like an average. My highest month was actually in March of 2023 of this year. And that was $21,460. Pretty much every month I've been moving up in sales. And right now I'm sitting right around $20,000 a month. Nice. Which is, um, it's nice. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's great, buddy. And is that mostly branded bundles still then? Yes. So I ran my numbers and actually uh, I just did year to date. 98% of my sales are all my branded bundles. 98%. Yeah. So you're all in on the branded bundle gig. And what are your net margins on that 20,000 plus per month sales? So it was about 18% up until last month. And now I'm hovering around the 16% line. 16%. Gotcha. So yeah. two, three, you're putting 3,000 plus in the bank per month approximately and you're an accountant so you keep yeah. you know your numbers and you keep running a tight ship i'm sure on your numbers how much time are you putting into your business these days cuz you're working are you working correct me if i'm wrong still full time right yes i'm still working full time the hours that i'm putting in i would say probably about 25 hours or so but that's only because i have my father helping me and he's retired so um, he's he's been very supportive of this. And like I said, he's retired. So he has a little bit of time available to help me out. I actually just started um, putting him on the payroll this year. So I am paying um, to have like, you know, all my packages prepped and, you know, checked and things like that. But, um, you know, we're making a true family business. Plus it gives him something to do while he's retired. So that's know, awesome. Keeps him busy. Yeah. So are you counting that in your net margins for the most recent month, the expenses to pay him? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you're you're still profiting sixteen percent after you've all expenses, including paying your your dad to help out. Yes, that's awesome. Okay, so, good. Just uh, to get to give folks a perspective on you know what's possible, and this is very much a part time thing for you. And so it sounds like it's scaled in a beautiful direction as well for you. What are your plans? Like, how, how where do you see this thing going? So um, you know, I've I'll, well, I'll first tell you, I hit a snag just actually almost two months ago. Mm. So, and, and it was kind of like a blessing in disguise. A lot of my branded bundles that I'm buying from like, you know, local, well, not local retails. I'm buying them online from, you know, a U.S. chain. Right. And just at the end of April, they started putting limit quantity limits mm. because I was purchasing well over, you know, three, $4,000 a month from them, well over, you know, a hundred items a week. And they were all the same, same one. And so that kind of really put a put a um, hit on my business because um, it's not just a minimum quantity or a maximum quantity per order. They're putting a limit per um, per year, essentially. And I kind of saw it like the writings on the wall because when I'd go back and order these items, occasionally it would show that it was out of stock. And I know that the items were being items were being delivered directly from the manufacturer because when they come to me, I'd see the shipping label from the manufacturer. And the brand that I was selling, it ended up getting really saturated with multiple sellers back or on that brand now. 
creating our branded bundles. I mean, it's crazy. Like I'm seeing a uh, two pack of something, three exact same two packs, but they all have a different branded bundle, branded bundle item on it, whether it's a magnet or a pen or something else, but the exact same items. And so I could, I could see the writings on the wall that, you know, this brand was getting a little saturated. And I think that's where the limit came from. You know, that, that put like a small little herd in my business. This was at the end of March. So at that point, I couldn't order the products that I was ordering. And, you know, for me, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise because I felt like I was kind of just like running on a, uh, like on a mouse wheel, you know, just, just trying to keep up with the orders and because my average sales price is just at about $17 right now. Right. So I'm selling, you know, maybe like 1100 items a month. Uh, so, you know, with, with all of that, you know, the prepping, packing, shipping and all of that, it, it takes up a lot of time. Yes. And so actually just. Right as I found out that, you know, they had put the limit on it. At that point, I was already creating new bundles for another brand, another item. And so that actually kind of worked out in my favor because now it's given me more time to branch off into other things that I've been wanting to get into that I'm unable to get into. Right now, I'm creating a bundle, which um, the average sales price on that one will be anywhere from $35 to $40. And it's something that I'm now getting from my wholesaler. So I know that I have steady, steady supply locally. And so that's the route that I'm going now. But yeah, it's, it's you know, I, one thing I have realized with uh, Amazon is that there can be a lot of like bumps in the road and not just Amazon, just like the reselling business in general. Sure. Uh, sometimes it's hard to get supplies, you know, relationships can fade or whatever the case may be. So you always have to pivot. And so, you know, like I said, it was like a blessing in disguise that I was able to find other items and be able to actually implement what I've been thinking that I wanted to implement. Yeah. So to if answer you build, your question, uh, I'm just going to interject something real quick before you get into it. like you know what's your, what's your plan for the future, right? The the question you were leading up to, but uh, there's so many valuable lessons you've learned in having a branded bundle, a handful of them that's been selling that well. You could easily be replicating this instead of spending your time prepping and packing. You know, you got your dad helping now, freeing up your time a little bit. Do more bundles, man. Just, you know, you've done a handful, you know what it takes, you know how to test, you know how to test small, you know how to find these hot moving products, bundle them with a complimentary value add product and build something that can really sustain. And you've done that at scale. Now you've been on a bit of a hamster wheel with your model, but I got to imagine if uh, you had spent, you know, five, 10 hours a month the past year or so saying, I'm going to launch at least one or two new bundles a month, Right. That's 24 other bundles. Now, you, you, you didn't carve that time out, so that didn't happen, but you could certainly do that in this upcoming year. And now we're talking about a sixty or $70,000 a month business. You got your dad and maybe one or two other people doing all the prep, and you're still banking five ten thousand $10,000 a month with the exact same model that you've got right now, right? Those numbers make sense? Yep, exactly. And that's, that's why I was saying that it was more like a blessing in disguise because now it's giving me the one thing that I can't buy, which is time. Yeah. And, and on top of that, the margins on those were fairly nice. You know, the margin pre-ad because, um, you know, for me, I've had to put in the pay-per-clicks to be able to, you know, get my listings to show. But the margins on those pre-ads were anywhere from 25 to 32%. And my ad spend, I try to keep typically down to about 10%. Recently, it has gone up to the 12 to 14% range because I have been introducing new bundles. Gotcha. But I typically try to keep that right at about 10% of my gross sales. Now, not just 10% of my ad spend sales, but my gross sales, because like you saw, 98% of my sales were 
just uh, my own branded bundles. Yeah, which is like having your own ace and you're the only one selling it. So you're trying to get the attention of the shoppers. And sometimes that requires a little pay-per-click ad spend. These are more advanced strategies too. If this is someone's first podcast episode, then they feel like, wow, I'm over my head. No, replans is the basic starting point. This is like a step two or three business model that we're talking about with Zaheer today. Getting into branded bundles, launching your own products. Uh, basically using recognized brand name products, mixing them in with a value add product of your own, putting them under your own brand. Now, did you ever get brand registered? Say here. I did. I got did. brand registered. I think it was in June of last year. Okay, good, good. Because that'll really help protect your listings as well. Do you use any kind of special packaging like your own branded box? So I actually do have my own branded packaging, which I print in-house. It's you know not like a sticker or anything like that. It's actually like a fix to the product. Right. Uh, so I do have my own branded packaging. And actually for me, I find that a little, actually it's quite cheaper versus, you know, having my brand printed on a box. I just use a regular inkjet printer and mm-hmm. the packaging that I have fits right into the inkjet printer. And that's what holds all of my products. I love it. Great solution. Yeah. Amazon <laughs> likes to see it actually printed on the packing material. If it's your brand, instead of like, you know, right. 50 stickers, you buy it a sheet and just slap it on there. For some reason, they're not as excited about that. They don't see that as legitimate. So yeah, printing your own packing materials, getting yourself brand registered, which we can help you with at Humminbird for those who maybe aren't brand registered. I'll put a link to that in the show notes today. For those who have questions about that, we've got a service that can assist. But it sounds like you're doing some cool stuff, man. Now, did you ever, remind yeah. me, did you ever do replans? I did. Uh, the first, I started out with replans. And the products that I do sell my branded bundles with, I always test as a replant first. So with that, I get an an idea of the sales velocity. Mm -hmm. I also get an idea of if there will potentially be any type of IP IP complaint. Also selling, especially when I merchant fulfill um, replants that I am selling, I get to see what people are buying together. Yes. Because I'm shipping them out as well. So that helps me get ideas for the actual bundles themselves. And what also helps with that is once I have the listing in my inventory, I can edit the listing, which the edits typically never stick. But when I go to edit, I can actually see the backend keywords. Right. That's right. Yeah. So good I, I use that to, to do my bundles as well. I use those backend keywords. Borrow those same keywords, set up your own listing, set up a bundle. I love it. Yeah. And I love the progression there. I'm glad you said yes to the replens question because it helps me illustrate a point that I think is so valuable. And again, to revisit kind of that, that trail that we like to see people go down, start with replens. If you're new and you never made money online before, start with replens. You'll notice that top five or 10% of your catalog as it develops are some pretty interesting products that you never would have thought of on your own, but they're doing well. Good margins. Like you said, Zaheer, no IP complaints from the manufacturer. It's moving well. There's other listings maybe with that brand that has a lot of potential in it. You can see what else people are buying along with those products, start to create some creative bundles and have a lot of momentum right out of the gate. Instead of jumping into that as your first adventure and you're kind of, you don't know which direction to go. But Replans gives you a nice roadmap to that. Now you mentioned you're doing a lot of merchant fulfill, right? You're shipping the stuff yourself. I like that for branded yeah. bundle because you never want to run out. You don't want to let your inventory hit zero. And that's easier to do if you're doing at least some of your own shipping. That's one of the things. Because if, if your listing hits zero inventory, you're going to start dropping in the rank pretty fast and you may not get it back once you restock your inventory. 
So that's one reason I like to see merchant fulfill when people do branded bundles, at least some merchant fulfill. But what was your thought process on that? And why is it just a numbers decision, a math decision? Is, do you make more money that way? No, actually, I make less money that way. Uh, shipping ends up costing, it costs slightly more than um, if, if it was FBA. Uh, FBA fees. You know, Amazon fulfill. Okay. And right. sometimes that's the but, case. Yes. But what you had mentioned is exactly why I also do merchant fulfill is to keep the sales rank. I want to keep the velocity and the momentum of my listing strong. A lot of my listings as of right now, minus the ones that I've lost, but some of those were uh, average sales rank was around 20,000, my branded bundle. And um, again, yeah, yeah, it was, it was very strong. Some of them, you know, when, when we talk about Keepa uh, and the drops, the drops were, I don't know, maybe around like 40 to 50, Mm -hmm. but they were selling well over 120, 150 a month. Yeah. So not unusual. Yeah. I say once you get over 20, 30 drops on Keepa, you got to use at least a two or three X factor to figure the actual number of sales per month. And for people who don't know what we're talking about with Keepa right now, please go listen to podcast episode 369. They'll clear it up for you because we're not going to dive into that right now. But Keepa tends to be fairly accurate. The number of drops matches the number of sales up to about 12 to 15. If it says 12 drops a month, that's probably about 12 sales a month. But once you get over 20, 30, especially up into 40 or 50 drops, you got to use a two, three, or I've seen even a 5X factor before. I've seen stuff that drops 50 times a month on Keepa and it's selling far more, 250, 300 even times per month or more in actuality. So yeah, that's cool. When you're selling your own product, you can kind of start to see, okay, what does Keepa say on the drops here? And I know the reality because I'm the only seller. Amazon, of course, doesn't tell those numbers to anybody. But if you're the only seller, you can see the actual number of sales and see how accurate Keepa is. That's cool. That's a good insight. Yeah. So 40, yeah. 50 drops a month, man, that's, yeah, that's a smoking hot product, dude. And it's all your own ASIN. That's beautiful. Have you played with pricing? Do your sales start to drop off a little bit if you, if you raise the price? So the reason that my average sales price is about, well, right now it's about 17 because I also sell other bundles that are priced a little higher. But most of my products are right around that $15 price mark because they're grocery items and they are at 8% referral. Once you hit 1501, then you jump up to 15%. So then I actually have to raise the price by $2 just to kind of justify that referral fee uptick. And then for me to gain more profit, it has to be maybe about 3 to $4 more. And at yeah, that point, based on other items that are selling similarly, uh, it doesn't make sense to raise it just to grab that extra couple of dollars to mm-hmm. um, lower the sales. And because as a reseller, even though profit is, you know, that's how you maintain a business in any way, also turnover is big for me as well. Momentum. I don't want to yeah. sit on products for too long. Yep. Yes. Correct. Keep it moving. The velocity of your inventory is a big deal. A lot of people don't think about that until they've got stacks of stuff. Like, man, that's been sitting there a while. <laughs> you don't want that. Right. If I'd rather move it at break even than let it sit there for six months and collect dust, basically. You know, because storage costs you money and it's stuff you got to deal with and handle it two, three, four times before it's out of your life at a loss. Yeah. So inventory that's just sitting there gets frustrating. So I'm with you. I'd rather see the stuff moving at a lower margin consistently and steadily versus accumulating and waiting for that occasional payday. Yeah, good stuff, man. Exactly. What are the lessons have you learned? You've been at this a while now. 
Right. Well, one thing that I just wanted to add with that is um, I did or I still do have some products that are just kind of like sitting there in, um, you know, the the dreaded pile or whatever you want to call that. The death Um, pile is what's going to call it. The death pile. Yep. So actually, again, because I wasn't able to get a lot of my items that I was selling branded bundle, I decided to go ahead and start liquidating some of these items. And I know you have mentioned um, in the um, for the conference, the proven conference, that we will be talking about buy and hold strategy. Yes. And and so some of the items that I decided not to ship and that I had bought, I only bought, I think it was like eight items. Okay, it was it wasn't much because obviously you want to test small. Mm-hmm. And by the time I bought it, was ready to ship it in. The price started dropping. So I was like, you know what? I'm I'm going to worry about that later. The expiration was like 2026 or late 2025. Went back and looked at Heapa last month. Uh, and I can't buy the stuff, the stuff anymore. It's not in stock. They don't Nobody make it anymore, maybe. It. Yeah. Right. So there was literally zero sellers on it. And I had eight of them in stock. Yeah. <laughs> so I went ahead and I set my own price. And it's already sold out. I sent it in last week on Thursday. Shipment got checked in Friday night. Yesterday, I sold out of all of them. Let's talk about that buy and hold thing for just a moment. Because I'm not quite ready to create a strategy out of it and tell people to go do it. Because it can be a little unpredictable and you can get burned. But as rapidly as the world is changing, I have a couple things I want to say about this buy and hold thing. I love the story you just shared here. I've got my own story. I'll share it here in a moment. As rapidly as the world is changing, companies going out of business and uh, new products being introduced that didn't exist, and then they they quickly you know rise and fall. We're in the position as resellers, we can take advantage of some of those trends. And you just pointed out a lot of the hottest products. There's there's one thing we can be certain of: if it's a hot product that has a lot of attention today. That's a temporary condition 99% of the time, meaning a year from now, it's, it's probably going to, one, not be sold anywhere or be unavailable or they've sold out or they've stopped making it. And if you just buy and hold some of those hot products that don't have an expiration date on them, odds are they're going to be worth more money eventually if for no other reason, just inflation. It, I'd rather have $1,000 of random products from a local hardware store than $1,000 cash under my mattress. If I'm going to sit something in my garage and just leave it there, <laughs> give me some retail products because those are going up in value. Hard goods are going up in price, not necessarily in value, but the price is rising because of inflation. So you can actually afford to be a little less cautious. <laughs> just think, because here, and here's my story. We were selling a lot of a, it was a safety product, a home safety product. And we were one of a couple sellers doing really well, ordering a pallet at a time. We got overly confident. I can't remember how many came on the pallet, but I think it was between two and 300 units. It was a smaller item. And selling at a regular clip on Amazon and eBay. Then all of a sudden, sales just stopped. Somebody went and bought 10,000 units of this thing at a discounted price and just came in and undercut everybody. And we're thinking, man, I just got a new pallet of this stuff. I'm calling the manufacturer saying, will you take it back? And they're like, no, we're not going to take it back. You know, it's been more than 30 days or whatever, right? So here we are just sitting on it. I got like $4,000 just sitting there, taking up space on a pallet. Well, in the meantime, while we don't know what to do with it, we just did nothing with it, kind of like you said. Around the next uh, eight, nine months later, we started noticing, hey, this thing's starting to sell again because we still had a few out there on eBay at, at our price. And they all just popped and vanished all of a sudden. And we noticed no one has this thing anymore. You, you couldn't get it. No one, the manufacturer was so far behind, nobody was selling it. Everybody still wanted it, but no one had any of it. So we sold those things like they were hotcakes. 
So you get those kind of, if it's got a long shelf life and you're willing to sit and hold it, you can get into those kind of situations. And I would argue if it's a, if it's a hot product that doesn't have some kind of fashion element, you know, like I don't want to be doing that with beanie babies right now from the, from the nineties. <laughs> Nobody wants those things anymore. Right. There's a handful of crazy cat ladies, maybe they still want them, but I think that I'm talking about like the stuff that is kind of classic. It's going to be just as much useful a year from now or two years from now, the boring stuff that has a utility, I guess is maybe the word I'm looking for. Odds are you're going to do pretty well just holding on to that stuff in a lot of cases. But since you brought up buy and hold, the other thing I want to say about buy and hold is we have a very specific product. I was just talking to the guy today who's been making a killing for years, and he's shown a handful of people his strategy, including some folks on our team. We're building a course right now. It's going to be a buy and hold of a certain specific item that you can do this buy hold strategy with as predictably as anything we've ever seen. You get in, you hold it, you don't touch it, think about it or look at it for about eight months to a year. And then when you revisit it, whoa, it's worth a lot more money. And there's all different kinds of it too. So we're going to get into that. We'll dive deeper into uh, which what the product is, how it is. So it's a very specific uh, type of product that we've identified that this works with. And it can't be saturated either. There's just so much opportunity in it. It's a, it's a it, that's about all I can say about it for now, <laughs> but it's coming. So our buy and hold isn't this, our buy and hold course that's coming to here. It's not this random, it's not the first part of my conversation. Just go buy anything as long as it's still classic value, you know, and it's not a fashion item, it'll be worth more. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a very specific item. We've got a course coming and we are going to talk about that at the event since you referenced it. Speaking of which, the Proven Conference, you're coming, correct? It's in the works. I've uh, gotten my days off approved. So now I just have to, you know, make the plans, um, you know, price on for tickets and, you know, get rolling on that. So it's, it's in the works for right now. Yeah. But well, yeah, the, don't, the don't buy tickets. The tickets are on me because I appreciate you coming back as a guest on the show. So I'll reach out afterwards and get those arrangements made. So you're not paying any admission. Okay. I got that covered for you as a way of saying thanks for being a guest. But yeah, it's going to be a great event, man. So happy to have you back. And I know uh, it was last year where, wasn't it? Was it last year? Was it two years ago? I interviewed you. It was last year. Last. Yeah. Last. Right before the event. Right. For some reason, I lost track of time there for a moment. Yeah, it was last year. Time flies, man. We interviewed you right before the event, kind of like we're doing again this year. So you may be a bit of a celebrity at the event again this time <laughs> with the timing of this event coming out. Because here we are coming up on June of 2023. And the event, of course, is July 6th through 8th. And uh, that's in Columbus, Ohio. The website is theprovenconference.com for those who may not know. But yeah, so excited you're coming back, man. We just passed, I don't know if you saw, we just passed 500 registered attendees like yesterday, the day before. So it's a nice group gathering. We still got another month or so of, of people registering. I think we may hit 600 people there this year, which is a great crowd. And it's gonna be a good event for sure. 40 breakout sessions. Um, so glad you can come, man. Yeah, I had a great time last year. I uh, met quite a few people, still in contact with a few of them. And yeah, I'm, just, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, actually, um, even just a couple, was it last week? I um, actually had a Zoom call with another one of your podcast members, our uh, podcast interviewers. He was on your uh, podcast. I think it was released uh, maybe three or four weeks ago. And him and I touched based on Facebook and he's going to be at the conference as well. So I'm um, looking forward to that, meeting all the different people and just you know talking business. You know, I don't know of many other people outside of this Facebook group or outside of the um, Amazon Proven Amazon course. 
students that sell on Amazon. So, you know, it's nice to kind of, you know, have that one-on-one with, um, you know, face-to-face interaction and things like that. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Outstanding. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it as well, buddy. And uh, you're right. There's not a whole lot of places in the world you can go. And I opened the conference last year and I've mentioned this a few times saying this on this podcast. Some of the value of the event is what you just pointed out. You can have those conversations. You can go up to people and like, how's business? How's your e-commerce business? And everyone there is going to just dive into the best conversation and, and tell you where they're at and what's working and give you some pointers and insider tips and introduce you to that next right person that you need for your journey. And it's going to be a tremendous time. I, I've been kind of painting a visual image that helps people understand what this three days is like. It's like taking your business forward six to nine months in three days. And there's no other way to do it. There's just simply no other way to replicate the experience of being there live. The next best thing, of course, is the live stream. And that's the content. But it's the interactions, like you said, Zaheer, just hanging out, having conversations, getting pointers, making connections. And you don't want to do this business alone. The people who try to do this alone just don't make it. I've noticed that in the guests that I've brought back. Every time we bring back a guest who was successful a year or two or three years ago, and they're still succeeding now, and their business has grown, and you know they've got other things going on, but their business is still doing well. They all have something in common. That is, they've made connections in the community. They've grown their circle of people who know, like, and trust them, the people they're working on projects with. You know, so if you do that intentionally, that sets you on a path towards continuous success in this industry. I've just seen that pattern so often that I know it's a huge factor. Well, what else is on your mind, Zaheer? Any, any other lessons you've learned or tips or strategies or anything, um, maybe some encouragement for some of the, the newer folks who are maybe newer to our community and maybe what they should be considering or looking at? Uh, or just fill us in. Anything or any questions for me? Well, let's take advantage of the time. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to go back to just about replans. I actually have a friend that I've been speaking with and she's been interested in Amazon as well. She was selling, you know, some jewelry and other items through eBay or Poshmark and other third-party selling companies. And, you know, I shared with her about my Amazon journey and she was just, you know, interested. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny. I just told her about it this year and she actually just had her first sale on Mother's Day. Now, it was clearance items or sale item or something like that, which, you know, the treasure hunt model, um, I guess that everybody might, or a lot of people end up starting with just, you know, just to kind of, you know, get an experience. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of branded bundles, but with her, I was kind of showing her the ropes of replans and of Keepa and what to look for and things like that. And it's funny that um, we were screen, uh, I was, I was on my phone FaceTiming and with FaceTime, you can also screen share your phone. Right. And so I was out at a grocery store. And I was just showing her how I look for products. And it was so amazing that, you know, I was looking through products and, you know, it, it can be a long process, especially when you're in store looking at it. You know, the, the replant method, at least um, the way that I've been taught, the way that I do it is I don't typically scan barcodes. Now I do actually scan barcodes, but I just scan barcodes to kind of see if that product itself is selling and how that product itself is selling. Then after that, you know, I'm searching for the product, the brand, um, not specifically just that product, but you know, maybe like I'll do something a little bit more vague, but tied towards that product. And again, while I was screen sharing with her, I found I found something that was selling at the local grocery store, and it wasn't selling for any profit. And then I scrolled a little bit more, and this is because I used a vague uh, terminology for the search terms. I was able to find a listing, and 
it was from another retail store. It was a it was a mix pack. It was a bundle of a name brand product and then the store brand product. And that store was literally next door to the one that I was doing my um, scanning at. And so I was like, wait, let me let me go to that other store. So I went next door to that other store and I found the products, both of them. The cost price I think was seven dollars and some change, so like maybe seven fifty. At that point, it was selling on Amazon for twenty eight dollars. Last I checked, it was. I can't remember. I don't want to say that it was more than twenty, maybe just around twenty. But it was worth doing. But at that right, and at that point, there was only one seller on it. Nice. So definitely worth testing. The product was actually out of stock, and then that one seller came back. And then last I checked, it was selling for twenty dollars. Other sellers had hopped on the listing. But either way, spending seven fifty to make you know twenty dollars sale, that's still going to roughly put you at maybe like you know four four dollar profit, maybe four yeah, five. Yeah, forty fifty percent ROI, something like that. You're gonna yeah, that that's I mean maybe more than that, maybe sixty or more. Yeah, it's that's great, man. Yeah, they're everywhere. That's the point. Once you know how to recognize them, they really are everywhere. So even when you're showing a friend how the system works. You just you trip over one. They hit you in the face. You can't <laughs> avoid them once you learn the process of learning how to recognize these underserved listings on Amazon. They really are everywhere. And you know, eventually they all do go away for one reason or another. Every good replin ASIN goes away eventually. So you can't get emotionally attached. Sometimes they last a few weeks, sometimes a few months. We've had some that have lasted us a few years. Common stuff at Walmart, and we're one of 25 sellers. And it's a you know a two pack or whatever. Every week, one or two sales. There's five, ten bucks a week right there. That's a little income stream for us. Added into our collection of other replans. It's a great business, and they they really are everywhere. Yeah, that's a great example. And kudos to you for helping your friend get started as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She'll actually also be. She's planning on attending the conference as well. Fantastic. All right. Does she have her ticket already? Yes, I asked her um, because she's, again, just starting out and um, she's fairly new to this. So I asked her, just go ahead and apply for a scholarship. And uh, she was able to get accepted for one of those. Absolutely. Yeah, we've had some generous sponsors this year that really stepped up in a huge way, especially for people whose first time attending and maybe a little skeptical or not sure if this is for them. Keep your money. Just come. We've got a scholarship program just for you guys to come check us out. And uh, awesome. I'm glad she's going to be there. What's her first name? I'm not sure. If she, uh, I'm not comfortable. Oh, she mean I want us to know that. Just, that's fine. Perfectly fine. I'm, I'm not sure I was going to give her a little shout out, but so. we can keep it totally anonymous. But no, that's great, man. It'd be great to, be great to have her there and introduce her to me while, while we're there. Okay. I'd love to meet her. Great story, man. For sure. Actually, she's been, uh, she's been listening to, you, to your Zooms as well. So when you do the Monday Zooms and also when you do the... Um, you know, just the random, like on a Thursday or Friday at 5 p.m. She jumps in there sometimes. That's great. Yeah, I have such a good yeah. time. We've, we've been doing more of those. Yeah, Mondays at 5 o'clock Eastern time. That's 5 o'clock New York time. Most Mondays, I go live in the Facebook group and just answer questions and welcome in all the new folks. Yeah, that's great. I had a great one this last week, man. It's so good. And we post the recordings of those two on our announcement uh, for those who can't make it. But yeah, thanks for giving that a shout out. Truly have a blast doing those. Always learn something every time too. Hey, we'll get back to the show in just a second, but I've got to tell you about a great sponsor who's just joined us. I'm talking about Sellerboard. This is a very popular service used by many Amazon sellers in our community because they understand how important it is, how crucial it is to know your numbers. How do you know how profitable you are? 
all those fees, the different expenses, the cost of goods sold. How do you track it all? Sellerboard is phenomenal. Starting as low as just $15 a month with a two-month trial on top of that, you really need to check these guys out. Get over to silentgym.com slash numbers. Again, silentgym.com slash numbers. It's time to know your numbers. It's an accurate profit analytics software tool just for Amazon sellers. They've been doing this since 2017. It is a really cool tool doing some things that I'm unaware of anyone else doing. So the pricing starts at $15. Like I said, get your two-month trial at silentgym.com slash numbers. I go live in the Facebook group and just answer questions and welcome in all the new folks. Yeah, that's great. I had a great one this last week, man. It's so good. And we post the recordings of those two on our announcement uh, for those who can't make it. But yeah, thanks for giving that a shout out. Truly have a blast doing those. Always learn something every time too. Uh, people asking yeah. questions. A lot of times I'm, I sit, my answer is, oh, you know what? I could take a stab at answering that, but you should probably post that in the Facebook group where there's about 18,000 people smarter than me that I could tackle it with you. Because uh, I don't know all of it. I've been doing this a while, but I certainly don't know all there is to know. Uh, but I do love those conversations with the new students. It's always a good time. Well, what else is on your mind, man? You know, Bounce the same question back to you again. Any questions for me? Any observations or thoughts? This has been a good episode. It's great getting caught up with you again, man. Yeah, for sure. Just one more. I, I guess, well, there's a few things, I guess, when we're talking about um, what have I learned throughout, I guess, since the last time that we spoke from yeah. last year. Great topic. Um, a couple of things is, one, and this is also because when I was speaking with my friend, when sending in products, especially as a replan, I told her, and I think this is a good tip for everybody, is when you send in the products, don't I, I typically would not match the buy box. I always price my items maybe two, three, four dollars, depending on or a certain percentage above what I plan to sell it at. And yes. the reason being is by the time it gets to the warehouse, gets checked in, there's the fulfillment center transfer. If I sell it at the buy box price and other people are competing then the price is starting to drop before my sales are even possible. And who knows, I could be the cause of it because if other people want to sell more or at a higher price, but yet I've already set mine at a lower price, the price isn't going to go back up. It'll just start going down. Mm-hmm. The one thing that um, I mentioned to her as well, what I do is when I'm not sending in my branded bundles, when it's just a regular replan, I always price a few dollars higher uh, just in case the price does go up or on the off chance that somebody's trying to or the repricer isn't set correctly and they're starting to the, to do the war to drop it lower. Uh, that's just one tip that I have that I've noticed. Um, it does make a difference. It, it really does. I've seen that on some of my ASIN. Yeah, that's a that's a great tip. And you know, when we're testing, especially a fast moving ASIN, we talk about this in podcast episode 554. I reference it all the time. I've got that number memorized. There's a handful of episodes I've memorized because they come up a lot. If it's a fast moving ASIN, we intentionally go in the first 30 days aggressively higher than the buy box. Even if it cuts into our velocity a little bit, I would rather sell, let's say, five units and make a really sweet net profit per unit than sell 50 units and make the same amount of money. There's just less inventory, less can go wrong. I've got, I've got my team working fewer hours to get it done, right? So on those fast-moving, higher-priced ASINs, especially like stuff that's more than 30 bucks, let's say, 
will come in at an aggressively higher price above the buy box and just leave it alone for 30 days. I don't care what any of the other sellers are doing. If it's a high-priced product that's moving fast, we're coming in high. And if it sits there for 30 days, okay, we'll drop down into the you know, barely profitable lower net margin arena and you know, hopefully get rid of it within the next month or so. Knowing that if we have to get rid of it like right now, I would say the vast, most of my inventory, I could sell through 80% of my inventory in 48 hours if I needed to. Because it's sitting on fast-moving ASINs that we're well above the buy box. If we want to drop down to the buy box, man, I can get all that money back anytime I want to. <laughs> it's not going to be very good net margins, potentially. Yeah. Just above break even, maybe make a little bit. But that's, the, that's how we play the game. But you can play it at any, any way you'd like. And that's a great tip as well, that you don't want to be the one. One of the rules of thumb I say here is, don't be the lowest FBA-priced seller if there's other sellers. Don't be. Unless you've got a really good reason. Like, I got to get rid of these things now. They're about to expire and I'm going to get hit with fulfillment or with storage fees. You know, so you better have a good reason to be the lowest priced FBA seller because you're going to get just as many sales being above the next two or three sellers. You're going to get just as many because that buy box does rotate and you're going to have regional yeah. advantages, for example. But a lot of times new sellers come in, they think low price wins and they, you know, penny, 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 drop, 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 and beat each other into the ground where nobody's making any money. Customers are thrilled, but they're actually doing us a favor too. From my vantage point, it's like all of a sudden that listing gets a bunch of attention. Then smart sellers can come in and take advantage of all the attention that listing is getting and price back up at a nice high level. So even when, even when people price tank, smart sellers win in the end. But yeah, good tip, man. I love it. Very applicable. And another thing, Another thing related to what you just said about the price tanking, I was on a refund listing and the product was selling for anywhere from 20 to 22, $23 for the last at least six, eight months. And a new seller hopped on the listing. It seems like they either got a deal with the actual brand or they bought like a pallet from somewhere or another. But either way, keep an inventory stock. Yeah, yeah risky closeout pallet. Yeah. Yeah, and the stock showed like 700 in stock. And I'm talking like all the other refund sellers on that, no more than like 20 or 30 per per seller had that in stock based on what Keepa shows. Right. And so what I have also realized over time, because on this one, I'm kind of waiting it out, because on other listings that I've been on, where a seller will come in with a huge inventory amount, or maybe not even that huge, but you know a big amount, they'll lower the price. Once they sell out, the price will go back up to what it was. And when they do lower the price, like what you mentioned, it gets a lot more attention. So a lot more people start buying it. Mm -hmm. So you can typically, or at least in my experience, you can wait out the sellers for the most part. Now, I mean, if it's something that's you know going to expire soon, then you may have to you know drop the price, um, eat the loss if there is a loss or whatever the case may be. But typically, if what I have noticed in my past in the past year is that when some, somebody comes on with huge inventory, uh, they're most likely going to just sell out of it and never be back. This is a new person that I saw. They haven't sold on this listing before based on the Keepa data. And yeah, but you know, one thing that ended up happening with that is last week, I decided to open a Walmart account. Oh, nice. And, really? Yeah, we've been playing with that quite a bit ourselves and doing fairly well with it. Yeah. So um, last week, I opened it. Monday, I went ahead and did all the verifications, got approved. Tuesday, I listed, or maybe Monday night, I listed the same product that's on Amazon that the price dropped, that the price had dropped on. Right. On Walmart, it's still selling for $22, $23. Yep. And I've sold 
as of today, nine of those units on Walmart. Outstanding. And those and those are merchant fulfill right now, but I will be exploring getting them into the warehouse this weekend because this is something that I also get from my wholesaler. And the wholesaler has even mentioned to me once I start purchasing in quantity like cases by a pallet, they will also give me a discount on top the purchase price. And even then that purchase price is five seventy five and I'm selling it for twenty two to twenty three dollars. Yeah. On Walmart. So um Beautiful. and you know, so I'm making six dollars and it's a very easy pack. Nothing, you know, hard to do. So um that is another thing that I wasn't doing just because again I was you know pretty much chasing my tail with those um but branded bundles, but now I'm also exploring different avenues. Right. And trying to capitalize on that as well. Yeah, a great lesson in there for sure. I was just advising another student from our community yesterday who kind of found himself on that hamster wheel that when he stepped back and did the math, he wasn't making all that much money for his time, effort, and energy. So we cut some sectors out of his business. You know, it's good to do some pruning from time to time. Just because it's a profitable process, if it's burning through all your available time, you probably need to step back. If you, put To put it a different way, if you can't afford to put somebody else in there and still have a profitable system, then it's probably not a system that you should be spending your own time on. Because really all you've done is buy yourself a job at that point. You know, you stepped on this hamster wheel and you're going as hard as you can and it's paying the bills. But if you step off the hamster wheel, the bills stop getting paid. That's not a wheel I want to be on, man. I want something I can hire other happy hamsters to run for me while I launch new wheels, right? So you, you want to have a bunch of hamster wheels going with other hamsters. You want to have other people working happy jobs. They love their part-time work, very flexible hours, and they're the ones running the machine for you, and you're still profiting. Those are the best businesses. I mean, you're an accountant. What kind of accounting do you do? I've never asked. Is that small business? It's, uh, it's a private company. I've done corporate accounting. I've done tax accounting, and now I'm gotcha. doing um, for a private business. But have you, uh, have but you ever done... They're a pretty large business. Okay. Have you ever done small business accounting? Individuals. I well, when I did my when I did my internship, I did it at a tax firm, uh, and so with the CPA, and mm-hmm. so from there, I did learn small business accounting as well a little bit. I've been out of it for quite a while uh, up yeah, until you know I started running my own business, which I'm probably I'm a good accountant, I, I think so, but for my business, I'm probably not the best bookkeeper. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> no, I hear well, the reason I'm asking is because typically when I talk to someone who's been doing accounting a while, they have some pretty good business instincts meaning they know what businesses to stay out of. They can recognize a business that's just barely keeping its nose above water. Well, you know, there's business models out there where if you're ready to work 80 hours a week and just grind yourself into nothing, but over every weekend, you barely recover in time to go back and do it again and you're barely paying the bills. I mean, those businesses exist, but you've, you, that's not sustainable. That's no way to live your life, man. You want to build systems that other people can step into. And accountants kind of see both. You know, they have those clients that are nice and relaxed and enjoying life and talking about trips and things they're doing and their business. And it's this like this beautiful, blended, healthy mix of enjoying life and enjoying freedoms and running a business. And there's other people just like get up at 6 a.m. every day, stay up till 10 p.m. every night, barely getting it all done, late with everything they're trying to get done. Half their customers are yelling at them because they can't get to, like it's just this grind. I don't want the grind. You know, it's barely better than having a, a job that you have to show up to every day and having a boss. And I don't want that. <laughs> I want the nice, flexible, comfortable, right. nice pace. And that's what I've enjoyed for 20 years. So when I see someone that's kind of grinding and not getting the reward, I'm like, hey, let, let's cut some of that out. Let's do this stuff that allows you to automate and scale and put other people in place, build systems. 
that you can step away from. That's how you get streams of income. So that's why I asked about the accounting because I was imagining like you've kind of seen a few different business models. Some fit the mold of a grind and others have truly created freedom for, for the business owner. I agree. I definitely don't want to be working for my business. I want my business to be working for me. And mm-hmm. the goal is hopefully by the end of this year to have a team in place to where the only thing that I will be doing is the only thing that I can do, which is create my bundles and be able to, you know, like, like you had mentioned, um, you know, have the freedom because that, you know, I, I can work any type of job. I can work a job in my business or work a job for somebody else. But what I'm trying to create out of this is to create my flexibility and freedom essentially mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to get to. And like, that's why I'd also mentioned that, you know, having this um, supplier kind of limit my inventory has been a blessing in disguise because it has given me the opportunity to step back and look and see, well, um, how much time am I putting into this? Or how much, how much am I paying somebody to do this to just make a few dollars per item? I know a lot of resellers have the $5 minimum profit per item. Mine isn't that high. I don't do $5 minimums. I do does it. Can I make money after being able to source that up, the packing and fulfillment part out? That, that's essentially what I look at. And I do look at net margin. I don't pay too much attention to ROI. I do my my business is more focused on net margin, which everybody has their whichever whichever model you have, just stick with it. Don't switch from ROI to net margin and back to ROI. Um, but whichever one you do have. And that's what I focus on when I'm finding products. But now, uh, like I said, the bundles that I am building, they're more in the dietary supplement side versus grocery. And they're smaller and higher priced. Yeah. And on top of that, they um with grocery items i tend to get damaged items as well and then you have to deal with returns or if not expiration dates too expiration don't and then you have to donate like i I think i wrote off uh, i don't even remember how much of damaged products last year you know with with the supplements dietary things like that they're all boxed uh they're all pre-sealed and things like that and they tend to be a little bit you know on the safer side of, of not being opened or not being like messed around with and things like that sure and so like like you had mentioned, I was able to take a step back and kind of like look at my business and see, well, what am I doing? Do I really want to continue to run on this hamster wheel just trying to maintain? And so I don't want to do that. And uh, yeah, so that's that's exactly what I'm looking at for this year is to be branching out of grocery, even though grocery is, I, I would say grocery is, for me, it was kind of like the beginning step to understand everything with Amazon, how to, you know, the fulfillment process, the expiration process, packaging, shipping, and things like that. And now I've gotten a little bit of cushion because of the grocery items that I can afford to do higher price ticket items mm-hmm. and be able to just kind of branch out, yeah. uh, get out of my comfort zone a little bit, which is what I'm also looking forward to. There's almost a, a typical pattern here that I've noticed, You know, watching thousands of people do this model and succeed and the journey they take. A lot of people start with the dollar store because oh, I'll spend a few dollars and try it out and there's stuff to be found there. Dollar Tree, Dollar Store, yeah. But it tends to crash and burn quickly and the margins are low. Then you move into food and maybe Walmart and some of the more popular retailers. And there's money to be found there, but there's a bit of a grind. And you start slowly experimenting with some of the more advanced getting off the beaten path stuff. And then you start to notice, wow, I can be very comfortable over here playing. It's not as crowded over here. Branded bundles or strange products. I was looking through the stuff that we sold on my Amazon account yesterday. Now, I don't look at our actual inventory very often, maybe a couple times a month. 
I'll scroll through and see what we're selling. And I was just looking at the pictures of the items of the stuff that we're selling. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that, like, I don't recognize these stuff. That's where the money is. Everyone thinks the money is in like the hot stuff. It's like, no, the money's in the weird stuff. You know, the the stuff that carpenters are buying when they build houses and plumbers and people who are working on the yard and the weird stuff that they need only in the Southwest, you know, or just strange stuff that you've never heard of. There's so much money in those things. And once you realize that you're not looking for profitable products, you're looking for underserved ASINs and you get off the beaten path and you do some of these things that we were talking about, just starting to explore, pay attention to what you're learning. As you're selling food, you discover supplements and like, oh, okay, these things have a longer expiration date. They're less likely to be damaged. (laughs) Let's build some bundles around these secure little nice bottles. You didn't invent the supplement. It's not your brand, obviously, but you're bundling them together in an interesting way. It's hot enough products that other people are jumping on it. You've let someone else go through the brutal process of launching a new brand and going through all the legal you know, challenges that come with food supplements of any kind, and you're just bundling their products together. That's a beautiful business model. And that, could, that really could explode and surpass everything you've done so far. It's because you've learned so many great lessons along the way. You know what it takes to get a branded right. bundle going. And I've already tested these products too. I literally have the ball sitting right over there somewhere. Well, I, I, and I know I've taken all the love, pictures. They'd love to see, like, what is it? Like, no, we're not going to do that. But when you test, tell me, like, how many are you sending in to test when you test a bundle, or, or how many uh, your merchant fulfilling these? I guess, huh? So do you, you put what have a handful ready to go? No. So these ones, I actually I sent them into FBA. Okay. Uh, with my other shipments, uh, the first one because they had different flavors as well. So I sent in four each of four different flavors. And um, once they became active, they sold out within maybe like a week, week and a half. Then the next one I sent in, just last week I sent it in. I sent in, I think, six or eight of each one. And I added in two more flavors as well. And so majority of them have already sold. That's um, Are you doing and, any pay-per-click to and, juice the listing a little bit? No, no. So again, when, really? I, when I do my branded bundles, I'm always testing them as a refund first because I want to see if they're being sold. Uh, I don't, I don't want to so pay great. for you know, right. And so with refunds, I mean, I know that there are strategies where you can do the paper play, keep it under five cents, keep sure. a daily budget at I think thirty one dollars with a magic number. Mm-hmm. And I could do that, but again, I'm not in there for a long time. I'm not in there for a long haul because majority of what I'm doing is just testing to see if I can create a branded bundle out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I've got, I've tested, it's going to be, I think, four products together or maybe three. I'm still debating on if I want to do the fourth one. And so, because I feel like that fourth one might open a little bit more liability to me. So I think I may hold off on it. Um, but either way, I've tested all of them in the bundle and they also, one of them actually is like that one, the price has been consistent for over a year. It changes by maybe 50 cents. It's selling for around $23, $24. And uh, the number of sellers on it for the Mac, the highest number of sellers on it on that one has been 10 this year. And the drops are like 60 a month, like something ridiculous. So you set up a And brand so I'm bundle. bundling that with, mm-hmm. with that and another item that's the same brand. It's another item of that same brand, mm-hmm. putting them together. And I think on that one, I'll be able to sell it for at least $35. I'm probably going to price it at $40 for $39.99. Nice. So and, much opportunity and that, there. Right. And I think because, because of that, um, 
And on top of that, that brand actually has like six or eight flavors. So I'm probably going to introduce another flavor that's not on Amazon yet mm. um, with my branded bundles because I know that the other flavors sell. So yeah. the only reason that this one isn't selling is because it's not there essentially. So, mm-hmm. and you know, again, I, I have the cushion now because I've built the business from replants. I didn't start off like, you know, just taking a gamble. This is made more of an educated guess, but my business can afford to take the loss if it doesn't work out. And I'm not buying heavy. I can go to this wholesaler buy five or six for each one. Exactly. It's, You're it's not, not in super um, deep. Your worst case scenario is you come home and eat some healthy vitamins for the next few months and try them out, right? Like that's your worst case scenario. I love it, man. Are you putting any value added items into these bundles or are you just creating new bundles? Every, every bundle has a value added item. Okay, cool. And it took me about three weeks just to think of what the value added item I can do for this one is. Because yeah. I know I could go the route of just throwing something in like a magnet or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, we don't recommend But I actually, no, no. And, and I've seen other bundles like that and mm-hmm. everybody has their own way of running their business. Sure. But I'm, I'm real big on playing by the rules. And if Amazon, you know, I, I don't want Amazon to come after me. Right now, my account health is above 300. My IPI score is above 700. So um, I'm in good standings and I want mm-hmm. to stay in good standings. And one of mm-hmm. the rules is you should, your bundle must include something that's of added value. And technically that I added value should be of higher dollar amount than yes. everything else in that listing to be that brand. And that's and where the so, creativity uh, comes took, in. Right, right. And it took me a little bit of time to figure out what to do. Uh, but I finally found the right thing that I could to where I wouldn't take too big of a hit on my margin. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be great. I'm very excited about it. Um, I've taken all the photos for it. Like I said, there's six or eight flavors. And so um, I do all my editing in-house as well, which I will be starting to outsource because even though I am brand registered, none of my listings have A-plus content on it. Mm. So with this branded bundle, I want to also do it with A-plus content. Right. So I'm, so I'm looking into that. Probably this weekend, I'll start looking into seeing how I can get A-plus content created for it. Uh, again, I could do it myself, but because I do understand Photoshop and things like that, and I know how to work it. But again, why would I be wasting my time on that if I can just outsource that and make more bundles? Yeah. Only do the things that only you can do. That's what a true business building warrior launching multiple income streams is, is focused on all at all times, building profitable systems while only doing the things that only you can do, which is a pretty short list. And even coming up with those bundle ideas at some point, you could have other people doing that for you and with you. Right. right. But, but that is kind of the crucial pivot point of this new direction you're going. So I love your business plan, man. You've got a great strategy. And, and uh, yeah, it sounds like you're, your 2024 is going to be huge, man. Q4 2023 even coming at us could be very significant for you. Outstanding job, man. Yeah. Yeah. I would um, definitely like to get up to... Uh, right now, like I said, I'm teetering around the 20,000 mark. You know, I, I took a hit because of um, that the supplier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, right now, my, I, I did my calculations and my average daily sales for this month is right around $568. In March, when I had my highest month, it was $698. So I think I'll, I'll still be okay. But again, introducing these new items, I can see that quickly ramping up to take me over that 20,000 hump. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You're heading in that direction. You understand branded bundles and you've got a good solid game plan. You're not taking any stupid risks. You know, you're not throwing twenty thousand dollars in an idea and hoping it works out a few months from now. You're you're spending twenty, fifty bucks here and there, putting together some creative bundles and testing them out. You're gonna do great. There's no doubt in my mind. Just a matter of testing and then scaling up the winners, man. That's it. 
you, you right. get a winning formula. And, you know, yeah. And also with branded bundles, I, like I know I mentioned like pay-per-click and things like that. What I was really happy about is I sent in a new bundle last week. I uh, sent it in on Thursday, got checked in on Friday, had my first sale on Saturday without even having any ad spend. Then wow. another sale on Saturday as well, no ad spend. Yesterday I sold four. I, then I started ad spend on Sunday. And yesterday I sold four. I only sent in nine to test. And yesterday I sent four, so sold four. So I've already sold out of six out of the nine. Man, that's great. You got to get some merchant fulfill inventory on those listings while they're hot. So you right. Well, the, this one is, it's a, it's a liquid item and it's a very heavy item. So <laughs> I haven't merchant fulfilled liquid items yet um, or not, not something this big, but I do have the shipping, the packaging and everything for it. So I'm actually going to have my friend buy one item from me just so I can test it out and see how it arrives to her. And then yeah. at that point, then I'll be more comfortable doing the merchant fulfill. But I am sending in, I think, 12 more tomorrow. Tomorrow, I, I try to do my shipments now every Thursday. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow, I do plan on sending in 12 more. And what, what amazes me is that, you know, um, when the shipment gets checked in, especially because this is, you know, the, uh, the first time that it's been listed on Amazon as my branded bundle, delivery date shows, you know, like mid-June. And yeah. uh, people, people are still buy buying it. it. You know, there, there are people, right. Yeah. As, yeah. as soon as you so, send it in, Amazon does some math basically and says, let's assume this is going to take us a couple weeks to check in, even though it'll probably be faster than that. They want to give the buying customer the worst case scenario. Like, okay, the seller is shipping more to us. Let's assume it's going to take a couple of weeks to check in. We can have this to you by mid-June. Here we are late May. Reality is they're probably going to check it in within a day or two. And the customer is probably going to have it a day or two later with by early June, but they want to set proper expectations. But I do love that Amazon does that. Once you've sent your stuff in and put it on the truck, Amazon's assuming that you're sending them exactly what you said you're sending them and they can start selling it now, even though they haven't seen it or checked it in yet. That happens a lot. I think that was a major improvement on Amazon's part. And it explains too why if, if you see like 20 sellers selling an item and some of them are prime, but it's three weeks out on delivery. Like, how's that work? Mm-hmm. If it's prime, I thought it meant you have it right now. Well, no, it's on the way to the warehouse. <laughs> you still get the prime price, but you have to wait. Other people are prime and you can have it tomorrow. And they may have a slightly higher price, which is another really good reason when you're sending your stuff in to revisit what you made earlier. So here, price it high because you may be the only prime seller who actually has inventory. And if you've got a shopper who's saying, hey, I, you know, I don't want to pay the lowest price. I want it here tomorrow. And there's only one person that can get it to me here tomorrow. And that's you with the highest price. So it's always beneficial right, price high. Yep. And that's another tip is um, when, when you are looking at what you're going to price it at when sending it in, focus on the blue prime, not where it just shows prime for delivery. Right. Uh, the blue prime is essentially what Amazon is saying that you'll get it in two days. Right, and so that price might be higher. There could be somebody that sent in a shipment that they priced it, you know, ten, fifteen dollars lower for whatever reason. Maybe their strategy is to price low and then when it gets to available, they'll sell it high. But if you're not checking all of the data on Keep, because you see all this in Keeper, you can just click on the data and offers tab and see what everybody is selling at. But then you also want to click on it from a from a buyer standpoint and see, well, is this really true? This person's selling it for fifteen dollars lower but you're not going to get it for six weeks. Right. And then the person, and so if you're thinking like how to match with the lowest price, that's not the way to go. Look at that blue prime. That helps at least for me get, get a better gauge of 
what price I could potentially sell it at once it does arrive to the warehouse. Yeah, make sure you're analyzing it as a customer would. You know, and that's one of the big lessons. Again, podcast episode 554. You know, just because there's five or ten sellers and they have really aggressive low prices, most of them, if it's a fast moving seller, you don't have to play in the mud with them. If it's a fast moving product, I should say, you can price high and still expect to make some regional sales. Your inventory sitting in a warehouse near a customer, they're gonna they're gonna snag yours because they can have it today. They're not, they're gonna ignore all those other lower prices. There's a lot of advantages to staying on the higher end of the pricing scale, so to speak. If you know you have 30 sellers, you don't want to be in the bottom two or three prices. You want to be in the top 10 highest prices and just let it sit at that price and good things happen. That's the lesson. For many reasons, good things will happen just hanging out up there. So often when I see, especially new sellers, they come in like, I can't find anything that's profitable. They're looking at the lowest price of the most aggressively priced seller who has one unit they're trying to get rid of at this moment in time. And they think that's the price they got to beat when they send in their inventory. It's like, no, that price is going to be gone 10 minutes from now. That seller's out of inventory. You got to look at a lot more data than that to price. And in general, go in high and leave it there for three weeks to a month before you touch anything. And you're going to be very surprised at some of the beautiful things that start happening and the good margins you can get in this business. Yeah. Great tips, man. Good stuff. Well, I, I need to start wrapping up, man. I've got another appointment coming up with me. I got an appointment with one of our coaches here coming at me. So I got to wrap up here soon, but it's been great hanging out with you, man. Any closing thoughts or comments, anything else you uh, wanted to, to hit real quick before we close this one up? No. Um, the only thing that I would say is consistency. Um, in, in this business, um, at least what I've learned is being consistent. Yes. Um, I, I send a shipment in every week when my supplier had the issues, I missed a week. My sales dropped from average about $600 a day down to, I think that Friday, because I sent in a shipment last week on Thursday after missing a week. Mm-hmm. So my sales at that point dropped down to about 250. It's it, like, you could like literally see it on the scale of 600. 500, 400, then it went to 250. Yeah. And then the day after that, it went back up once my ship, shipment got checked in. And then that Sunday, I did about $1,000. So it kind of caught up, luckily, but consistency is key. When I look at my graph, it literally, and I think it was also on the Facebook post where every day it was pretty consistent. Then I'll have some spikes after my shipment goes in. But consistency is everything. Keep on sourcing, uh, keep on replenishing your products. You know, just do whatever you can to just get the products in. Yeah, build build routines and stay consistent. Actually, Robin Joy and Brian Olson recorded a podcast episode that's going to come out somewhere probably around this one where they were talking about the, the accelerator keys to this business. The things that if you do these things, your business will grow faster and you will see results. And one of them was the principle of consistency. You can't do it for a week and then put it down for three weeks and then pick it up again and do it for a week and then put it down for four weeks and then pick it up again and do it for a few days and then put it down for three weeks. It's just, you're constantly having to relearn the same lessons. You're trying to remember where you left off. We'd much rather see you carve out a few minutes a day, every day, or at least a consistent pattern weekly. Mondays, I source for new replens. Tuesdays, I send in a shipment. Wednesdays, I source for more replans and I maybe check my prices and, I, and make sure everything is look good and everything's moving well. You know, just like 
this is my routine and I'm consistent. Maybe it's only a little bit of time each week, each day of each week, but you're doing something, touching your business every day in a routine, scheduled, planned way that makes you very consistent. That is a huge key to making this happen because you're benefiting today from the stuff that you did three weeks ago, right? So you got to build that machine up. (laughs) If you stop working now, today, three weeks from now, you're going to pay a price. Exactly. So that's that's my last thought is uh, just stay consistent with the business and enjoy what you're doing. Have fun with it. It's supposed to be fun. It is. And it's a blast. I've been doing it 20 years, man. I'm grateful every day. New stuff to learn, new people to meet, new customers to serve, new ways to, to make money, having fun, living with the freedom that comes with the internet lifestyle. And we're a couple of blessed dudes for sure, man. Definitely. Well, it's good to see you, man. Good to see you again, my friend. And I'm looking Excellent. forward to seeing you here in just a few weeks in July too. Sounds great. So am I. All right, buddy. We'll, we'll, we'll see you in Columbus, Ohio, man. Well, let me talk to the listeners here just a moment. Thanks for hanging out with Zahir and I. Good to have you hang out with us for a little bit of uh, your day. We're going to have a link in the show notes to several great resources. One of them will be the first time I interviewed Zahir about 10 months ago, like you said, at the beginning of the episode. So you can kind of see the progression of his journey and see how his business has grown and changed and be sure to look him up if you come to the conference, say hey to Zaheer and all the other podcast guests that you've seen on our show here. Uh, walk up, introduce them, real people building real businesses. I love that about this community. I love that about this podcast is it's show after show of real people building real businesses and we dive in deep and talk about their business. Always good lessons for me, for the listener. And I hope it's well time well spent for you as well as Zaheer. You did a great job again today. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having yeah. me. And to all the listeners who gave us some of their time today, God bless the business building warriors out there. We'll have another great episode for you again real soon. Talk to you then. Hey, thanks for hanging out today. Before I let you go, one short reminder. We are so grateful to our new sponsor to this program, Seller Board. If you haven't checked them out yet, get over to silentgym.com slash numbers. This is the software that tells you if you're profitable or not. It helps you track all of your expenses your KPIs, sales, refunds, advertising costs, all of it, profit, loss. This is tremendous software that fills a gap in the marketplace. Many successful sellers in our community are using this tool to help them know which of their products are profitable and which ones aren't. You'll love Sellerboard for just $15 a month starting. You can really dial in and know how your business is doing. Silentgym.com slash numbers. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.